Radiodrome. Now, tonight, Brad, we're going to take a look at the filmography of a filmmaker I used to very, very much respect, Oliver, uh-huh. Oliver Stone. Uh, Brian yeah. has to sit tonight out. He's got some other stuff going on, so we wish Brian well. I still respect Oliver Stone. I don't think the guy's made a good movie since 99. Yeah, so. but yeah, but when you do as many things like that he has and so many good things that he has, I'm never going to stop respecting the guy. Even if he completely loses his mind? Sure. sure. Oh, oh, since this is the first time that a very high-profile director has ever kind of lost his mind in some way, shape, or form, I don't know, you kind of expect that. But when you have such a solid block of really damn good stuff that he has, I'm always going to respect the guy. Even, uh, okay, look at look at George Romero, whose last few zombie movies have been kind of terrible. Always going to respect the guy for, from, all the great, from all the great stuff he's done. All right, fair enough. Before we do that, we got to do the Adam and Eve promo, though. Mm-hmm. Go to adamandeve.com, use the promo code DROME, and you get not one, not two, but three DVDs for free. You get 50% off of a single item. You get free shipping if you're in the United States. And you know what? You also get a free mystery gift. And you can now, if you go to my website, 1201beyond.com, there are links on there, if you turn off ad block, for Amazon.com and Amazon.uk. If you use those links to shop, it costs you nothing, then we get a little bit of kickback out of that. So if you guys are going to shop at Amazon anyway, go through the links on 1201beyond.com. There you go. Now, before we actually get into Oliver Stone's filmography, if you had to sum up Oliver Stone, his entire body of work, the good and the bad, to somebody who's never seen an Oliver Stone film, how would you do that? Um, <laughs> unpredictable. <laughs> uh, yep, uh, I won't fight you on that one. That, that, that does it right there, honestly. Yeah, because, and, and this is not an insult, his work is quite erratic. He'll he'll do yeah. one film in a certain genre and in a certain way, then his very uh-huh. next movie will be something totally the opposite. So unpredictable is a really good way to describe Oliver Stone, I think. Yeah, he does uh, very personal films, very personal films to kind of reflect his experience. His very political, very political. His politics, his his life, really his views on things he makes again like i said you can tell that this is a director whose body of work it's very much not only for a certain audience but they're also for oliver stone and i don't mean that in a bad way i i don't well and he, he his stuff is also and i i, I know i'm going to be misusing the term because this definitely applies to lots of other directors his yeah. stuff is always very serious uh-huh you know it's very i'm making a point and i'm not i don't plan to use subtlety for it and I, I do, I do respect the guy for that. His stuff always yeah. has an, an importance to it, even if it's not really an importantish topic. Let, let's start. We're gonna we'll tackle some of his his writing stuff because he he did a lot of movies that he wrote but did not direct. But right now we're gonna focus on his yeah. directing work. His first feature was Seizure in 1974. My opinion of Seizure is, I've seen it and I don't remember a damn thing. I haven't, oh, I haven't seen too. it was since it... high school, so I don't remember a damn thing about Seizure. Junior high for me. Was that in 3D? I don't think so. Uh, I Are you sure? I, I thought I remembered Seizure being... Maybe I'm... I might be wrong about that. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm wrong about about that here. Um, the, no, the real, that, that, the, that wasn't that wasn't in 3D. You know, okay. I'm getting that title confused with that uh, 
I'm getting that title confused with that Demi Moore early 80s movie that was in 3D. Parasite. Thank you, thank you, thank that, you. That was Charles Band. Yeah, yeah. Not that I got not that I got the movies confused, just the 3D part of them. Well, see, the thing that bugs me about Seizure is I have the DVD, and I've got the VHS, and I've uh, got it on Laserdisc, and yes, I still haven't seen it in a long time. All of those are full frame. So the Mexican edited for TV version, yeah. widescreen. There you go. So there is a widescreen print of this movie out there somewhere. Yeah. There's an uncut widescreen print of this movie. We never. Wide- it's almost like we're never going to get it, though. No one has any interest in making a widescreen print of this movie available to us, and I don't get that. Well, wait. You, you, so there's a there's a Mexican version of it out that's in widescreen. The, the version that aired on Mexican television in the '90s, okay. the like edited for TV version, so all the swears mm-hmm. are taken out, was widescreen. So if you want it widescreen, it's edited. Yeah, so it's like there's okay. got to be an unedited widescreen print of this out there somewhere. That's a sleepaway camp thing because the only way you can get – well, I don't know about the, the main The main way you get sleepaway camp in, uh, in widescreen is an edited version. Yeah, I don't understand that, but, but seiz- yeah. seizures like that. So the next one would be The Hand. This is the movie you and I talked about on the phone the other night. Yeah, I didn't think this was one of his better movies, but it being so early in his career, I'm really willing to give him a pass on this one. Yeah, it's not like at the at the it's not like with the hand. It's so early in his career. It's not like you can be like, boy, Oliver sure dropped the ball on that one. Um, yeah, he wasn't even really a name at that point yet. Not really. I mean, in the movie, honestly, I don't think it's that bad from what I remember about it. There were some good qualities of the movie, you know. For a movie about a guy who gets his hand lopped off and then it goes around and starts killing people, I mean, it did it. <laughs> I liked it better than was it the crawl the crawling hand the the black and white movie with with the was the uh, mystery science theater. It was yeah. a better movie than that. I mean, like the movie, it was it, it's well made and and Michael Caine is really good in it. And honestly, I like there were parts that I remember really liking, like. How after he gets his hand cut off and he's he's a cartoonist in the film, so then he's got a there's some emotional stuff in there where he's got to get used to not having that hand and also working working as a cartoonist with his other hand and, and trying to get used to doing this trying to write with a completely different hand now I like that there were some qualities of the movie that wouldn't necessarily have found in a movie that's about a hand going around killing people. I also remember it getting really weird at the end. Like, I remember all of a sudden, like, he's got electrodes hooked up to his head, or, like, like I don't know, like, suddenly it goes into, like, weird, like, Brazil territory, like, in the last part of the movie. Um, See, I, what I always think of with this movie, I don't get it confused with this other thing, but I always put them together, is the cursed hairpiece Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, I always yeah. kind of put those two things together as these two really are kind of pseudo sequels to one another. I can see that. It's definitely of that same kind of horror film, you know, where, you know, something, some inanimate object is going, is, is causing someone to go crazy or it, it is going crazy, you know? I mean, like it does it, it does it in a much, it does it in a much darker and more serious tone than in like Evil Dead Two when Ash's hand is going around causing mayhem. Well, and, and I think a lot of that honestly was due to Oliver Stone. I think he wanted to take a much more serious approach to, let's face it, what's kind of a goofy premise. Yeah, and he's he's the homeless guy in the movie too. He plays uh, the homeless guy who gets killed by the hand. 
And so I just I, I give Stone credit for that, even though I don't particularly think the movie's very good. I mean, it's not great, but I mean, it it did. I mean, it did give some service to that to that plot to that and story. Michael Caine's a pretty heavy hitter actor for that part too. Yeah, yeah. Again, like it was uh, a little more ambitious than you would usually figure a movie like that would be, and I I don't think it's bad. I'd have to. It's been it's been since like the late '90s that I've seen it, but but I don't think it's a bad movie. Well, and then next we have Salvador, another movie I haven't seen in a long time, but I remember Salvador being intense as hell. Yeah, you're going to have to talk a bit more about Salvador than me. It's been since junior high since I've watched that. Yeah, that one, uh, I haven't seen it since probably around that era, too. So let's just say Salvador, I remember it being really, really intense. Now, his next film, yeah, I, uh, I love. Platoon. Uh, yes, I love Platoon. Mm-hmm. It's Platoon a great is movie. awesome. Uh-huh. It, it, it gets compared to Full Metal Jacket all the time. And I don't think it's fair. Yes, they're both NAM movies, and they both came out at the same time. Yeah. But they're not really the same kind of movie. No, they're not. I mean, they're both great movies. I, 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 I love, love both. both of them, yeah. Yeah, I, I love both of them. Uh, but, again, I think they get compared to each other. I mean, taking the NAM thing out of it, they get compared to each other. Yeah, they did come out like around about the exact same time. But one is a much more autobiographical film. Yeah, Platoon is very much... The Charlie Sheen character in the movie is very much Oliver Stone. Yeah. And what he went through in Nam. The movie is, like you said, very autobiographical. And in that respect, you really kind of get why this movie was... You know, it had such a heart to it, for lack of a better term. Yeah, because this is written by a dude with some freaking experience doing this shit. Like, that movie's got some intense sequences in it, like the Tom Berenger stuff, and also, also just the, like, I mean, some of it takes, some of it takes the wind right out of you, man. Like, when, uh, uh that, that scene where Charlie Sheen's, uh, yelling at the lady and her, her kid, and, uh, he, he doesn't understand what they're saying. And, um, also, like, little things too, like Charlie Sheen's character talking about how he went into Nam, you know, thinking, hey, this will be a lark, this will be something fun I think I'll do, and then, Know, gets pretty deep in the shit. The one, the one that I remember, the part that disturbed me the most is Kevin Dillon's character when he's cracking that that woman's skull open with, with yeah. the with the butt of his gun, and he's just so casually just lights he lights a cigarette and then lights her shack on or her hut on fire, and he's just mm. like, "Oh man, I love Nam," and it's just yeah. like that's disturbing that there really were people like that in Nam fighting on our side. Oh yeah, yeah, like it's it's a really really true film like it's it deserves all the acclaim it gets absolutely and then we got our next film another one i haven't seen since i was a kid is wall street i remember liking it i'm gonna defer to this to you on this one i like wall street wall street i mean but i like i like watching all that yuppie stuff from the 80s you know and that's that's a good one it's 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 entertaining uh i would have liked i probably would have liked someone like james spader in the lead role, the Charlie Sheen, the Bud Fox role, other than... Uh, I absolutely could have seen Spader. I could have absolutely seen Spader in that part, too. Yeah, and Spader's in the movie. Spader's... He, he's in it, like, one scene. Like, he's he's in it very briefly. But, yeah, J I think James Spader would have been a lot better, a lot more well-suited to that role than Charlie Sheen. I like Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen was great in Platoon. Yeah, he's better in Platoon than in Waltz. But, um, 
you know, you watch that movie and you get to see, like, I love Michael Douglas. And Michael Douglas, like, hardly anyone plays sleaze like Michael Douglas. And to hear he does it, he does it to a freaking team. Like, Michael Douglas does it so well that you watch these sleazy freaking corrupt characters that he plays. And you almost start rooting for them because they're so slimy and so charismatic. And that's and that's good i mean that's good for that that part and it's it really also good for michael douglas that he infuses that much into the role too yeah oh totally because totally. th- that's one thing stone's always done mm-hmm. I, I don't always agree with the casting of his movies but yeah. he always gets actors that throw themselves into a role michael douglas douglas won an oscar won the oscar for that right yeah um i know he was nominated i don't remember if he no, won he, or not. he he won but he won but that was like one of those weird ones where like he won for best actor, even though when you break it down, it was a supporting role. He was the biggest name on the cast, though, at that point, wasn't oh, he? Oh, totally. He's, he's the biggest. Sheen... Oh, yeah, yeah. He's the biggest name on the cast by 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 far and away. I mean, well, you also had Martin Sheen in the movie too, but uh, uh, he's he's the biggest person in the movie, of course. But it was it was a supporting role. It was a supporting character. But again, like. He's just so good at being so evil that, like, when he goes away at the end, it is kind of like, oh, well, that's a bummer. (laughs) Well, we'll get back to Michael Douglas when we move up the filmography a little bit here. Now, the next film is a film that I'm really divided on. I love it, and I can't stand it, and that is talk radio. I love the the stuff where he's on the air and being the the rogue DJ. That is entertaining as hell. Yeah. The stuff about the troubles between him and his wife and their past is so soap opera that it just kept pulling me out of the film. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have tried to humanize his character. I just don't think it was done well. I thought it was done well. Uh, I thought it was done well in talk radio uh, because Eric Bogosian was so good. Like, Eric, Eric Bogosian just nailed that friggin' part, and I thought that even in scenes like that, which weren't exactly very original sequences didn't necessarily need to be in there in that way but bogosian is so is such a character in that movie is such a person is such a personality in that film that i still thought that those scenes worked and i i like talk radio a lot and i i do agree with you that the best parts of the movie are when he's on the air those are the best parts of the film and also even the way it's shot there's that scene where the uh his his dj booth is kind of doing that 360 spin. That's exactly like exa- exactly when you said you liked how it was shot. That's the scene that entered my my mind. Yeah, yeah, and you had Baldwin and them kind of watching him through the window. Like that's there's some really. I listen to a lot of talk radio anyway, so I'm certainly the audience for this. But let's say even if I I wasn't, you know what? At the time I the, honestly okay, the first time I saw this movie. I was probably in junior high, and I don't think I was listening to a lot of talk radio at the time. I do now, but back then I don't even think I did. And it, and I still found so much entertainment out of it in just this guy, very passionately talking, talking over the radio, and to, doing it very well. I, I love Eric Bogosian; he's great in this. He was he was amazing in this. There is one massively miscast role in this, and it's an actor I love. But Michael Wincott was the worst high teenager I've ever seen. I remember He looked like he was like 25, and he's talking about how he just got his license, so he's playing like a 15 or a 16-year-old. And I'm going, dude, you're way too old for this part. He was supposed to be a 
teenager? Yeah, Every he was supposed to be a teenager that, I mean, because he's like, little, my, yeah, there was like okay. a line about my parents are out of town for the weekend or something. Okay. It's like he was in high school. The character was, and Michael Wincott was just so brutally miscast in that part. Okay, okay. Uh, it's been a little while since I've seen it, so I forgot the fact that he was supposed to be a teenager. Thinking back, thinking when you, when I think back on it, I was like. I was like, I thought he was supposed to be like in his twenties or in his twenties or something like that. Because I'm, I'm with you. I love Michael Wincott. Michael Wincott uh, sells everything. He's Michael Wincott, so freaking underrated. That dude is awesome. You know what? I, I can tell the exact point when Alien Resurrection went off the rails for me when they killed yeah. Michael Wincott. I was just about to say that. I was just about to freaking say that. I was like, I was like, if it. Yeah, screw that. That was yeah, it was one of the things I hated the most about that movie. Is he's one of the first ones to die in the thing. Really, you're killing off what so far was like one of the only things that was keeping me watching this movie. Well, there was Ron Perlman, but yeah, Mike killing Michael Wincott was stupid. But that's yeah, my he's he's totally. really my my biggest complaint, even more than the than the backstory thing was. I just thought he was so brutally miscast in that film. Well, if they had him play, playing like a 20-something-year-old in the same performance, he would have been fine. Maybe. Again, I, it's been quite a long time since I've seen it. I seem to remember him making a thing about like how, how he couldn't drink. I remember that being a point that uh, when, when Bogosian started giving him alcohol, they're like, you're giving uh -huh. alcohol to a teenager. Okay. So I remember okay. there being something while, about that he was not I've old enough it. to drink. A quick, if you're gonna have Michael Wincott in that role, a quick change, you know, make the character in like his mid twenties. A college student lives at home. Yeah, you know, like because uh, that would have because really his performance wasn't bad. No, so you just he was wrong for the part. Yeah, just if you're making that character a teenager, and here's, I assume Wincott was maybe late twenties, early thirties at the time. Well, I just watched Chopping Mall the other day. All the mm -hmm. characters are 16, and they were all played by people that were 26 to 30 years old, and they looked like it. I that, hate I hate when they do that sure. in movies. That, you know what? Yeah, but that you might as well you you might as well say you hate every single slasher movie ever made in the 1980s. No, I just hate that aspect that you know either call them older or just cast a younger actor. In an 80s slasher movie, I so don't. That's that's kind of a staple of those movies. You see that that's every single one of them. They're if they are teenagers, then they're played by someone who's in their 20s. That's just a staple on all of them. If I say I hate it in one movie, I gotta be like, well, I guess I hate all of them then. No, no, because sometimes you can buy that they're a teenager, and sometimes they just scream, "I'm 26 years old." Some okay, yeah. Sometimes you can kind of buy that they are, but really, but really, they they do mostly look like they're in their early twenties. Like even if they look like they're a teenager, you can. They also look like they're probably in their early twenties. I mean, it can go, it can go pretty far. And like you know, when like Stockard Channing is a teenager in Greece, like it can, it can, yeah, go, it can go a little far, but. Early mid twenties, I I don't care. I don't that that does. I mean, it, it depends on the kind of movie. Like w like, weird science, I totally bought that they were teenagers. They were, were they were teenagers, weren't I, they? I, weren't they like nineteen twenty somewhere uh, in that area? Maybe maybe Anthony Michael Hall, but I don't think uh, Elon Mitchell Smith was. Uh, I, I'm sure Downey Jr. was older. Yeah, Downey was probably like twenty years. Uh, Robert Russell probably too. And, and Russell and Russler, yeah. Next Oliver Stone movie is a film I love despite the fact that I, I, I don't like the, the star and I think he, he was very hammy and that's Born on the Fourth of July. 
I, I don't honestly have a thing against Tom Cruise as an actor. I think he's done really good in some roles, and he was even really good in Born on the Fourth of July. Uh-huh. But he did ham it up a little bit. He did kind of, I think, overplay I he was great. his thought, role. I thought he was great. I thought it was one of his. I thought it was one of his. Best I thought Willem Dafoe stole the movie, even though he Willem has a Dafoe's relatively great. small role. Willem Dafoe's great in the movie too, but but Cruise, I th- I think it's one of his best performances. I mean, I'm a I'm a big Tom Cruise fan anyway. I, I got to go Magnolia for Cruise's best performance. I think it. Oh, I said it was one of his okay. best. I didn't say it was. But oh, total, oh Magnolia, Magnolia. I put Magnolia on there. I put Collateral on there. I see. Um, I haven't seen Collateral. Everyone tells me he's really good in that though. Great in Collateral. Oh my god. But born on the Fourth of July. Oh, I I totally bought him in that movie. Uh, definitely. There's. There's some powerful shit in that film. I love going from being like gung ho, you know, all about the war, all about the war, and like you know, getting mad at people because they're against the war in Vietnam and they don't think we should be there and all that. And then just that huge story arc that they give him in that movie, where by the end he's he's one of the most notable and anti-war protesters of the Vietnam War. I will say, Brad, it's a great film. I I, have... I will say he looked awesome in the beard. Yeah, he did at the totally. end of the movie. He looked uh-huh. awesome with that huge beard. Yeah, he did. He, for I, one I thing, he didn't look like Tom Cruise. No, no. Oh, totally not, especially at that time. I mean, well, Cruise, <laughs> I mean, Cruise has aged really remarkably well. He doesn't look that much different now than he did back in the 80s. But but, any, but even still, yeah, yeah, in, in those movies, he they, they put some age on him, put some miles on him in that movie, and I thought it looked good. I thought he was great in it, and uh, hell, I'd say it was one of Oliver Stone's Oliver Stone's best movies. No, I, I I think one of his best movies is is one we've got coming up. But okay. but I, I say it it is a damn good movie. It's not a movie yeah. I'm really bitching about. I just uh-huh. I, I don't know. I, like I said, I think Tom Cruise did a good job in it. Yeah. But for whatever reason, something's always bugged me that a different actor might have done a better job. Does that make sense? Oh, I mean, I mean, you could that about most roles really like i don't think so i think he did a serviceable i think he did a serviceable job in it i thought he was great in the film so i'm not really gonna think about somebody else who might have done it better because i thought that he worked completely fine in that film the next film i love this movie the Mm -hmm. doors i like the doors too now it's not accurate to the actual history of the doors or to oliver stone we're talking about i know i was gonna say but if you can separate yourself from that this movie is phenomenal. It yeah. is intense. It's got character. It's got story arc. It's beautifully shot. Beautiful music. It's a uh-huh. great time capsule to people, including us, who were not alive in the 60s. Yeah. And it's a great movie if you're not looking for accuracy to the real history of The Doors. Sure, which I don't exactly go into a biopic looking for extreme accuracy. But Val Kilmer... Uh, he nailed Val it. Kilmer. He nailed Val- it. Val Kilmer nailed that freaking what freaking image of Jim Morrison for one and even even being able to do the voice too like oh god i mean he's 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 about worth the ticket price alone on that thing but then you've also got Kevin Dillon yeah, great role Kyle McLaughlin, Kyle, right? uh, uh, Kyle McLaughlin. The, now i don't think she was miscast but i just i never really cared about Meg Ryan's character she just always seemed like just a nagging shrew in the whole movie maybe and maybe that is accurate to the real life girl uh-huh. But she just yeah. always bugged me when she was on camera. Uh, she's not one of the things I remember most about that movie, you know? Not really. So, 
I can't say she was one of my favorite parts about it. I, I don't know if I necessarily disliked her or anything like that. But when I think of that movie, The Doors, I don't, I don't, I instantly don't start thinking of her character. No, but like you said, Kilmer nailed mm. that oh. role. Oh yeah, he was yeah. Jim Morrison by far. Oh my god, that's 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 some of his best work. Exactly. Now it's this next one I think is Oliver Stone's. Uh, it's tied for best movie again. Mm. Not looking for accuracy because it uh-huh. isn't. I think JFK is an almost perfect film as a film. JFK is a great movie. JFK is phenomenal. It, uh-huh. It's got it's got the characters. It's got the arc. It's got a beautiful plot line. It's got a cast to die for. I absolutely love the JFK movie. And you know who actually steals that movie from me, Brad? Joel Pesci, Kevin Bacon. No. Uh, John Candy. No. Uh, jeez, everyone under the sun was in that movie. Gary uh, Oldman, he was just, he, he gave Lee Harvey Oswald such character mm-hmm. that you you really, really, really did feel that he was set up the way he was. The movie is, a, it's really good. Here's my thing with Jay, I, I, I like this movie a lot. I think it's immensely entertaining. We were talking earlier about, uh, talk radio being so entertaining when you just got Eric Bogosian sitting there kind of going off on the radio and whatnot. This movie, when Kevin Costner is giving that like 40-minute speech there in the courtroom, it's, it's massively entertaining. It draws you in. Yeah, it totally draws you in. It is like, wow, that that was really like 40 minutes long? D- damn, that was, holy crap, that was really, really freaking entertaining. The movie is, yeah, that it, it's just a really good movie. It's And I am not I am not in any, any, any way, shape, or form a conspiracy theorist. I am not. In fact, I find many of those people insufferably annoying. I really, really... So in this movie, this movie is done just so, so incredibly well that it's a great, it's a great thriller. It's a great piece of entertainment. And I can watch it and be like, well, I don't think this is exactly accurate. But but I'm not expecting it to be, you know? I'm just expecting it to be like a really... Good movie. Yeah, a really good movie, and it is. It is a damn good movie. Now, I do get nitpicky on one thing that I really think someone of Stone's caliber and talent should not have overlooked in that movie. Mm-hmm. The whole movie takes place over the course of approximately three years. At the yeah. beginning of the movie, Kevin Costner's character has a little baby. At the end of the movie, three years later, he still has a little baby. And it's the same character. And it's like, really? You age all the characters, but you can't give him, you know, find a three-year-old? His kids don't age? That, I mean, you might call me nitpicky, but someone of Oliver Stone's talent should not have made a mistake like that. It's a, dude, it's a metaphor, man. After the assassination, time stood still. Oh, shut the f*** up. <laughs> all right, now the next film I've never seen, Heaven and Earth. I have. Uh, okay, it's the one. It's it's for it's uh, that's is that Tommy Lee jo- the Tommy Lee Jones one? I have mm-hmm. seen this. I yes. saw it once and found it largely forgettable. It's where uh, it, it, Tommy Lee Jones ends up marrying a uh, a Vietnamese woman, and they have uh, like a fam. They have a family together and whatnot, and it's it's their relationship. And then he. 
becomes like kind of abusive or he becomes kind of a prick. And I think she, she leaves him by the end or he kills himself at the end of it. One of the, I, dude, I saw it like once, uh, when I was in high school, the woman's really, really good. The soundtrack's really good. I mean, Tommy Lee Jones is good, but in terms of Oliver Stone's Vietnamese movies, Vietnam flicks, it's nowhere near Born on the Fourth of July or, or or Platoon. Now the next one is the other one that I think ties JFK for his best film, Natural Born Killers. Yeah. I absolutely love Natural Born Killers. Director's cut only. That's one of those ones that after you've seen the director's cut, mm-hmm. you cannot watch the R-rated version again because I'm one of those people. All I see are all the scenes that aren't there. Sure, sure, sure. That's the same. I'm I'm like that with Terminator Two. I'm like that with The Abyss. I'm like that with Aliens. I cannot I'm like that with, watch I'm like that with. Uh, I'm like that with Dawn of the Dead. I prefer the. I prefer the two hour and like twenty minute cut. Or I'm whatever. definitely like that with with Leon the Professional. The American oh, cut, God, the Professional is unwatchable. Totally, totally like that. I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be the uncut. So for Natural Born Killers. I think the movie, everything was perfect. It was as chaotic it was as it was supposed to be for the story he was telling. It was cast yeah. beautifully. I've never been a big yeah. Juliette Lewis fan, but she was perfect in the part. Totally. I, I think every actor gave it their all. The soundtrack's amazing. I love the constantly shifting film stocks, and it'll randomly oh, yeah. go to animation. And then there's all these weird cameos, like Mark Harmon playing Woody Harrelson in one of the reenactments on... Dangerfield. Uh, yeah, danger field, and it, it's just it's such a bizarre movie that it is a perfect statement to what TV and culture and the media was in '93. That, that goes hand in hand with the way that the movie shot too, with sequences that look like they're a sitcom, with uh, the laugh you know, track and everything, laugh track and all of that. It's a damn good movie. It's a movie that, admittedly, it had to kind of grow on me over time. It did. I, I can't say that when I first saw it back in uh, 94, I can't say I was probably the biggest fan of it. Not that I ever disliked it, but yeah, I remember I remember sometimes kind of being like, well, I would have liked to have maybe seen an, the, like, uh, the direction, because like, I know like in Tarantino's original direction, it was the Robert Downey Jr. character that was the main character. And I remember for a while being like, you know, that I would really have liked to have seen. That would that would have been that would have been really interesting. But you know, over time the movie really, really started growing on me and I just kind of forgot about that. I was I, I, I was just like, you know, as this movie is right now, it's really a statement to to how the media over obsesses over shit like that. Uh-huh. You can still do that without Robert Downey Jr.'s character being the main character of the film. The movie still did that. I've read Tarantino's script and I think it was a damn fine script, and I know that's hard to believe from me being the anti-Tarantino fam- fan. Yeah, but you've liked some of his other scripts. Right, but here's the thing I, I do give Tarantino crap for over this. He says Oliver Stone absolutely screwed up his script, and he tried to have his name removed from the film. Uh-huh. I can't disagree with that more. His script was good. Oliver Stone's rewrite was better. Yeah, but I don't got, think Oliver Stone screwed in. up his script. Oliver yes, Stone yes. saved it. But you didn't write it. You didn't write the original script. Tarantino did. I'm speaking as somebody who has written some stuff that did kind of get changed, and you know, you do kind of take that personally. Um, and I can so see it like that. So I'm just, I'm just so saying that uh, I think Stone, his version is better. But I'm, you know what? I'm sure it is. I'm sure it probably is. 
but I can't get upset at Tarantino for saying that because he did have a version of the script that did get changed and I'm sure that script was very very personal to him so when you have something that you created that's very personal to you and it gets changed by somebody else you're not going to like that and I'm not going to fault anybody for saying that they don't like what somebody did to their work no the next film I can't speak to at all I've never seen Nixon never saw Nixon nope it's long (laughs) is it good uh yeah 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 I mean it does it does some of that, like, kind of conspiracy theory shit in it, where, like, at one point, it, like, sort of hints that maybe Nixon had something to do with the JFK assassination a little bit, a little, a little bit, like, like one scene. It was kind of like, okay. As a character piece, as a character study, you know, again, it's like a lot of Oliver Stone's other stuff where you kind of got to take it with a grain of salt. You got to take it for what it's worth. And you got to take it just really as a piece of entertainment. You know, uh, I, I'm sure not, I'm sure a lot of the movie probably isn't the most accurate. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just I'm just guessing that based on based off of his other movies. But but as a piece of acting in terms of a Hopkins performance, uh, Joan Allen. Joan Allen is Pat Nixon. Everyone else. And Norm MacDonald is in this movie. Um, and, and he's really good. Uh, it's got some really, really, really good pieces of work in it. Like, uh, there's a scene where he confronts, like, a bunch of uh, anti-war protesters. who are kind of sleeping outside the steps at uh, wherever they are. Outside, like, the Lincoln Monument or wherever they're in, in Washington. Um, and there's a, there's a good there's a good scene there. It's got some really really good stuff in it. I don't like it as much as JFK or The Doors or or Natural Born Killers, uh, but it's but it, it's good. It's it's too long, but it's it's good. All right, and next we have a movie you and I have discussed on the show before, so I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. I hated uh-huh. it. You loved it, and that's U Turn. I did. I thought that this was a movie where Oliver Stone is just like screw it have some fun i'm just gonna make whatever i'm not trying to say anything with this movie i'm not really putting anything else uh very uh opinionated into this thing this is just i'm gonna make a sleazy movie i'm just gonna make a you know kind of a i don't want to say natural born killers ask but i mean in the way that they're kind of shot a little similar he's like screw it like at the beginning where it says like an oliver stone movie you know that tells you right there like i'm just gonna have some i'm just gonna make a wild movie just for the sake of it and the best thing what i like about u-turn is really all the side stuff in it the side stuff in it i like more than i do billy like bob thornton and nick nolte yeah and yeah, that. yeah billy bob thornton playing twister by himself and you got you got uh john boyd as this blind old indian who by the end of the movie may not actually be blind and you've got that uh the Joaquin Phoenix playing TNT, and then you got like Ring of Fire popping up on the soundtrack, and all of this bad luck that just keeps happening to Sean. And I think it's funny. The movie's a dark comedy, and I, Do you think... I, thought, I thought it made me laugh. But here's, I think the weakest point of it is the Jennifer Lopez, Nick Nolte stuff in the movie. Like he's 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 fun. Like he's really good. I think that's the weakest part of the movie because there was another movie called Red Rock West that did like a similar thing with Nick Cage, Dennis Hopper and Laura Flynn Boyle, similar kind of plot. And I thought that did it better than U-Turn did, but there was so much other funny stuff in U-Turn that I still got a kick out of it. What now here's the thing you like Sean Penn in the role. Yeah. Bill Paxton was almost cast in that role, but he turned it down to, he, he was the first choice. Do you think Bill Paxton would have turned it into a different movie or not? 
I don't think that that would have made the difference between a better movie and a lesser movie. Like, you know, maybe the character might have come across a little different. Like, I think that that role is more suited to somebody like Sean Penn than Bill Paxton. And I like Bill. I like Bill Paxton a lot, but that role to me screams more Sean Penn than it does Bill Paxton. Next, we go to I love this movie. Any given Sunday. Yeah, man, he made football entertaining to me. That's not easy to do. And he he must have been relatively close to the real underside of football because when they went into production on the movie, they had yeah. the okay of the NFL to use real NFL teams. Oh, okay. Then, then they read the script. The NFL said, nope, nope, we are not standing behind this, not a chance. So he had, uh... to, he had to make up his entire real football – or an entire – new football league. So the fact that the NFL said, oh, Oliver Stone making a football movie? Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. he's making that kind of a football movie. Nope. Football movie expect him to make. But I think it's I think it's a great movie. I do too. I like it. Like, uh, it's a fun movie, and I'm so not a sports guy, and I'm definitely not a football guy. A- except but... even, even if you're not, you can tell who some of the characters were originally supposed to be. Dennis oh, yeah. Quaid is so clearly Brett Favre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can, you can, you can get entertainment out of this movie. You can, you can have a good time watching this movie if you're not a sports guy. There's plenty of sports movies I like that, uh, you know, that I, I'm still not a sports person, but there's plenty of sports movies I like. This is one of them. I mean, it's a, it's a fun movie, and you know, how many times are you gonna see that much cock on the big screen? And I love the fact that Char- <laughs> I love the very end of the movie when Charlton Heston gives the smackdown. To, yeah. to Cameron Diaz. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, he's yeah. only got that one little scene, and he steals it from her. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Now, my only complaint about this movie is its presentation on DVD and video and Blu-ray. They only released the director's cut. Now, you might go, well, obviously, you know, the director's cut's going to be superior. No, it's not. All the stuff that they added was extra gore scenes and just extra scene padding things. Okay. The movie I actually thought flowed better when I saw it in the theater than when I saw it on video. I you wish they would have. No. You can't get it both ways. No, the only oh. the only way it was released was the director's cut, and I I think that's a little disingenuous to the film because I think it does flow better in its theatrical cut, and I know that's weird to say that, but it it is. No, no, I I, I know what you mean. There, are, I I can think of movies that have a director's cut where I like the theatrical better. That's that's bizarre because like even Alexander, you can get the theatrical cut on that on DVD. Well, that's because everyone complained, but we'll actually move up to that then. Alexander, yeah. I haven't seen this movie, and everyone tells me to see a different version. Some people say, "Oh, theatrical version's better." Other people go, "No, man, that that sucks. The director's cut's better." Other people go, "No, man, the DVD version that's different than both those is better." So I don't know what goddamn version of Alexander I should see first. I couldn't tell you, man. Like, I've only seen the theatrical. I haven't seen the final cut. I haven't seen the director's cut. I'll hand it to Oliver Stone, man. He tried like hell to make, he's tried like hell to make this movie work for people. You know, he's tried putting together different versions, different cuts, like saying, saying like, please give this version a shot. You know, he really wanted this movie to work. I've only seen the theatrical. I haven't seen any of the other cuts. I don't know. Maybe they do work better. I, I don't know. I thought the movie was incredibly dull. In the movie, it it bordered. It, it was campy. It had some camp to it, like like uh, um, he was only conquered by 
by Alexander's thighs and stuff like that. It's got some camp to it. It doesn't go far enough in that direction because it's boring. It was if it was consistently campy, at least it would be entertaining in that regard. It just didn't go. It was felt so neutered to me. Like it wanted to go really far, but didn't. Like with uh, the relationship between Alexander and Jared Leto in the film. And they're obviously lovers in this movie, but it doesn't go far in any way, shape, or form with that. I've heard except, that. The, except, I've, except to just sort of hint at it. I've heard that's know. one of the things the director's cut did is it amped up the, the homosexuality. That's what I've heard. Okay, okay yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that. Because seeing, seeing in the theatrical, it's like, this is just so neutered. Like, this is just so, like, this This isn't the version that they wanted to do with this here. They're just completely sucking, in, trying to suck any potential controversy out of the thing. Like, don't do that. Make the freaking movie you want to do. Just go freaking balls deep into it, you know? World Trade Center. I was really disappointed in World Trade Center. I thought it was schmaltzy and so post-9-11, rah-rah America, and, you know, heartwarming and uplifting that I just went, oh, this does not feel like an Oliver Stone flick at all to me. No, it doesn't. I mean, it's uh, it's hard for me to... Because the movie's got good intentions. It's got a good heart to it. And it's got Nick Cage. It does have Nick Cage, yeah. Nick Cage is great in it. I watched it and was kind of like, was this necessary? Like, I agree with you. I mean, it was a schmaltzy movie. It didn't really try doing it a lot in terms of in terms of a lot of the different characters in it. It was just kind of there. Uh, United ninety three was a much better movie. United ninety three was much better. It was a lot more intense. I I don't know. It just didn't. It just it just didn't seem very necessary to me. And if you are gonna do something like that, at least try saying something about your topic. And this one really didn't. All right. Next we got W which I have not seen yet. I haven't seen it either. I I heard it was decent. But I, so I, did I, I, but I just have not gotten a chance to see it yet. And then I've not seen Walt, Wall Street Money Never Sleeps, but you said you've liked that one quite a bit. I did like that one. I watched it when I was hungover, <laughs> but I liked it. I liked seeing Gordon Gecko several years later as a much more, with a bit more humanity to him, a little bit. Still very sleazy, still Gordon Gecko, but I liked seeing a much older and kind of wiser Gordon Gecko, And truth be told, even LaBeouf was kind of all right in the movie. He didn't ruin it, at least. And Josh Brolin plays kind of the bad guy in it. He's really good. It's a, it's a good, good follow-up. I'm going to turn you loose now, Brad. You saw Savages. <laughs> I saw Savages last night. That, maybe that's why Brian's not here, because he's still reeling from the pain we went through on that. I was in the car doing the video last night and I had to think about it be like is this Oliver Stone's worst movie is there one I'm not thinking of and having gone through his filmography tonight looking at all this Savages is Oliver Stone's worst film it's bad like I didn't like Alexander but at the most I just thought it was dull and like this was bad this was this was borderline unwatchable this is every every single horrible horrible post wannabe natural born killers pulp fiction post those movies cliche from those indie 90s crime thrillers that so wanted to be natural born killers and so to be tarantino 
but failed. And there were some there were some that were really good. There there were there were some really good indie crime movies back then. There really were. But there but was a lot of crap them, too. Oh yeah, when one of them was bad, oh it it missed the mark bad. When it missed the mark, it was oh man, it was the doom generation. It was best laid plans. It was just unwatchable crap. That's what this movie is. This doesn't look like Oliver Stone. It looks like somebody trying to be Oliver Stone. Down to the crappy narration in the thing, the stupid ending. The the two endings, you told me. Yeah, the two endings. Yeah, the the fake-out ending that a lesser person would do. And it doesn't seem like Oliver Stone would, like, I, uh, I don't know. And I keep hearing people say about this movie, like, oh, man, I like this movie because it's Oliver Stone back to being really gritty and brutal. It's like, yeah, okay, okay, it is. Like, it's, it is brutal. It's very brutal. I'll give it that. It's violent. It's, it is. Um, it's grainy. It's gritty. But that doesn't make it good. You know, movies like Natural Born Killers weren't good just because they were brutal. They were good because they were good. Yeah, and like, and so this movie, yeah, Savages is brutal, but that doesn't make it a good movie. Everything else about, everything else about it sucks. You have a movie about a three-way relationship where they got an actress with a no nudity clause. Why? Why hire someone for that? And why would you try out for that? Have some freaking balls, people. Seriously. That's the last of his movies that he's directed. He's done some TV work, but that's mostly documentary stuff. Let's look at some of the movies he's written that he did not. We'll just do this very fast, but movies he's written that he did not direct. Midnight Express, which he won an Oscar for. Damn Damn. good screenplay. Conan the Barbarian, the original Arnold Schwarzenegger version, which... Uh, to be fair, even he admits more of the what you saw on the screen was was from John Milius's version of the script than his. So Still a great movie, yeah. Scarface, Scarface, love. Yeah, but I'm not so sure how much of that was the script or really De Palma. It's a mixture of both. You know, they both got to complement each other a little bit. You know, I thought I had a fantastic, fun little script with some great dialogue. De Palma's direction was fantastic, so I think they both went great together. Uh, I just got the DVD for this next one, which I have not seen, Chimino's Year of the Dragon. That's a very underrated movie. I also just got the laser disc for 8 Million Ways to Die, which dude, I need to see. Dude, you, speak, you, I, you talked up this movie so much, I'm expecting such an amazing flick after dude, the way you talked I it up. I guarantee you will like this freaking movie. Holy crap, I used underrated to talk about Year of the Dragon. This movie, one of the most underrated movies of the 1980s. This movie is vulgar it is sleazy it is oh my god you have not seen that this you, you haven't seen this many f-bombs thrown around in a long this movie is is freaking just brutal and great you will i think you'll dig the hell out of this movie and then he also produced a whole lot of movies that he didn't direct or write such as blue steel i thought uh, that jamie lee curtis one it wasn't too bad Oh, the Jimmy Lee heard of Blue Seal. My mind went to Blue Streak, the Martin Lawrence movie. No, 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 no. This is the like, Jamie Lee Curtis female cop. No, this is the Jamie Lee Curtis female cop movie. Got some pizza, son. <laughs> um, I haven't seen. I haven't seen Blue Steel since it first hit video. Uh, I have not seen Reversal of Fortune, so I don't know if that was any good. South uh, the Central Matt movie. Yeah, that was okay. I think I remember that. I, that was okay. I personally loved the TV miniseries he did in 93, Wild Palms. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 I remember that. That actually really does feel Oliver Stone. It really does. Uh-huh. 
The one I love is Indictment, the McMartin Trial, that James Woods TV movie, that HBO original. I haven't seen this. Oh, you have to see it. And this is one that is pretty accurate. All the courtroom stuff is taken directly from the transcripts. Oh, that's cool. So all the stuff, I mean, obviously he's probably going to embellish and whatnot for all the character development, but anything yeah. that's done in the courtroom, that's sure. what was that that's the over the top dialogue that was actually said in the courtroom. And then uh he's got Freeway, which you you said was really good, which I haven't seen. Then he's Yeah, it's it's like it's an updated little red riding hood where the wolf is a serial killer and it's Keeper Sutherland. Uh, it's it's pretty fun. Then we got People vs. Larry Flint, which I loved. And you know what? I'm not trying to take away anything from Milos Foreman. The film feels like it was sh- it was directed by Oliver Stone. It does. It, and it, it that's totally, not an totally insult does. to Milos Foreman at all. No, no, I agree. I agree. I agree. It totally feels like a Stone film. Like, I, I love that movie. Love that movie. And th- that's another one, that great flick. Not really all that accurate to reality, mm-hmm. though. Nah, um, not really. You know, they condense like a bunch of different characters into one character, which is the Edward Norton character. And but they also worked. they also leave out both his children and his numerous ex wives after yeah. Althea and all that. And you yeah. know, it it really does condense a whole lot. And then it there's, does. But when it when it works as a movie, it works. Yes, I agree. Because it, it's a, it's an it's a tremendous film. Yeah. Then we've got the Corrupter, which I saw on cable once. And I didn't really like it all that much. Neither did I. Then he's got the TV movie The Day Reagan Was Shot. Didn't see it. It was surprisingly good, honestly. It was really, really damn good. I remember he uh, he presented, uh, it was like Oliver Stone presents this movie called like Graves End, which wasn't great. I, I saw it on video when it hit. It was about a, bunch, a group of guys, uh, they're kind of potheads, and one of them ends up like accidentally getting killed because I think they're playing around with a gun, and then they got to like bury the body or something like that. Okay, I don't even know mm-hmm. that one. That one's not even on his IMDb list here. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure the thing was called Graves End. And then he, he has a great cameo in the Wild Palms miniseries as himself, because nice. it, it takes place in the future, and he's on a talk show, and the talk show host is going, Now, Mr. Stone, now that, that the JFK records have all been unsealed and it turned out you were right, do you have anything yeah. to say to the U.S. government? I thought that was just hilarious. That was a brilliant cameo for yeah. him to be himself on a talk show in the future talking about why JFK was historically accurate. It oh, was beautiful. it was both pure hubris and really, uh-huh. really great at the same time. That's funny. That's funny. I like that. So where can we find Brad Jones? Uh, TheCinemaSnob.com. You can find me at 1201beyond.com, 1201beyond at gmail.com. You can also find me at Geek Juice Media, where I do Sanity is Razor Thin. It came from Beyond Midnight. And if you are in the Green Bay area, my column, The Shadows of Pop Culture, in Scene Magazine. Anything you want to say before we go out? Later. <laughs> All right. I guess it's, it, it's appropriate. 